from AM and FM stations around the country. Welcome to the Small Business Administration award-winning School for Startups Radio, where we talk all things small business and entrepreneurship. Now, here is your host, the guy that believes anyone can be a successful entrepreneur because entrepreneurship is not about creativity, risk, or passion, Jim Beach. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another fantastic School for Startups Radio. It is Monday, December 4th. And we are starting a run of amazing guests, not to imply that our past guests have not been amazing. It's just, boy, we have some great stuff coming up today. We have Alexander Deridish. He is the founder of Smith OS AI. It is an operating system for small businesses. It's amazing. And then Vam PR founder, Josh Simmons is with us. Vam PR is the LinkedIn for creatives. So there used to be a website all about the music. We all remember that joke, but Josh has made it work. And it's another amazing story. And we have the founder of The Real Real this week. And tomorrow, or on Wednesday's show, the producer of the Survivor TV series. Wow. We'll be right back to get started. Thanks for being with us. any questions or comments or if you need help with your business at any stage from concepts to exit jim accepts all connections on linkedin he tweets from at entrepreneur jim and he responds to emails at james.beach at att.net thanks for listening and we hope you enjoy the show we are back and yes still so very appreciative that you are with us thank you our great loyal listeners tell a friend our first guest today is got a fascinating business. What if you could take a business operating system and combine that with the power of artificial intelligence? We're going to end up with something really smart here, I hope. I, my first guest is doing exactly that. He has a company called Smith OS, and Smith is S-M-Y-T-H-O-S. It is the brainchild of Alexander. The Riddish. How'd I do? The Ritter. Uh, you can say the Ritter. Okay, the Ritter. Uh, it's R-I-D-D-E-R. Uh, I was trying to yes. say it in uh, in Dutch, right? Yeah, the, in Dutch it's the Riddish. The Riddish. All right. I was trying to get the, there. A rolling R at the end, like Ritter. No, 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 that's end. not a noise I know. That's not in my alphabet. <laughs> Anyway, he is a long-time AI specialist. He has had uh, two very successful uh, SEO-type companies in the marketing agency space uh, with some exits and has had an entire career doing this. He's got multi-hats. He's product manager or uh, project manager. He's a subject matter expert, strategist, chief technology officer as well. Pretty impressive. Alexander, welcome. How are you? I'm excellent. Thank you. All right. Tell us about Smith OS. Did I get it right? 
AI and yeah. an OS. You tell it. Tell the story. Yeah. So, so the the world is changing quickly. Every day, there's a new AI company, and every day, a whole bunch of startups are killed off when a new AI uh, emergent capability emerges. Right. Um, so, looking at the market, we're like, we're we're we don't want to do something that puts us in the crosshairs of giants like Google and Microsoft in terms of just being bulldozed over with the next version of uh, GPT or something. And so we looked at the market and said, well, if, if it is a reality that AI models keep getting better, and it is a reality that websites are going to more and more be executable, meaning that they're going to have an API that specifically solves one particular problem and it is true that the internet is infinite and keeps growing and more and more services are added. And it is, and it is true uh, since March of this year that foundation models have the capacity to solve uh, problems or tasks in multiple steps by combining different tools. Then we are really at the dawn of a new era. We're in an era where, um, where you can imagine that work can be done by using different data systems, tools, APIs, AI models, your unique workflow, something that combines all of your knowledge and process into, into something that kind of transcends just the, 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 the playful chat uh, that, that you just ask a question, but every single time you have to go and teach it everything that it doesn't know about your business, right? It doesn't know your process. It doesn't know your, your background information. Uh, it, it has no memory. What if you could create an operating system uh, that, that gives you the ability to tie all your data, APIs, everything, workflow together um, with, intelli with the intelligence of these, these AIs? And every time AI gets smarter and Microsoft, Google, OpenAI, whatever, release a new model, it, it, it upgrades your, your solution. It makes your solution smarter. So what you, what you end up with is uh, an operating system to design AI agents, and AI agents are your future colleagues. Just like we got used to remote work, we're going to get used to working with AI colleagues that have actually read the company manual. All right, Alexander. Our working definition of AI here at this radio show is the best way to understand AI is it's a new intern who did really well in school, but lies about five to 10% of the time. Okay. Are you comfortable, sort of comfortable with that definition? Um, like a silly man's uh, work on the street definition. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're approximating. Uh, what I think is the truth. I think that um, hallucination is going to be largely solved by the time GPT-5 comes around. Um, and, and so lies once in a while. Okay. Uh, that comment is true of the like chat GPT that was released last year. But since then, GPT-4 made huge improvements around that. Uh, this problem is called grounding in AI. And so basically grounding your answers in facts and reality. All right. Makes sense. AI is getting much better, okay. much, much better at understanding when it doesn't know something and then letting the user know it, it, 
and not making assumptions or asking for help. So that part um, is done. Okay. Uh, well, I, I would, you're yeah, you're then, much more knowledgeable than me. So, but if it is a smart intern who just graduated from MBA school, how does Smith OS use that intern? So for example, I'm just going to throw out an example. I get a sale through my website. That information is uh, sent to me in an email. We then take that email and cut and paste parts of it into our shipping software. And then we put part of it into an inventory program. And then a little bit of it goes into QuickBooks. And right now, I hope my intern can learn to do all of that in a week. Yeah. So now you would map that me. process out. Yeah, you would map that process out. Visual, no code. You would drag and drop some components. You'll you'll say here's an API call component, and this has to then be interpreted uh, with this customer input text, and that has to be split this way. And the financial information needs to go to QuickBooks. So you you make you call QuickBooks via we are no code visual workflow builder and by the end of it which and this whole thing might take a person a little bit experience might take you an hour two hours to map that process out much less than it would take you to train the intern and after that you have an agent that can do that every single time you never have to you never have to have a human do that process again um, if the process changes you just update the visual diagram of your process um, by the way, your company should have a visual diagram of the workflow anyway, um, even if humans are involved, and you should keep that updated. With Smith OS, you can, uh, you can draw it out, but then it actually also can do the work. Wow. All right. Because that's what we all dream of is our process going away. And we hear about AI, but you know, it's designed to either destroy the world or, you know, build a new iteration of a, uh, an STD medicine. I just saw that AI came out with the best solution to gonorrhea so far, their formulation or their treatment, whatever is a huge improvement. And so, but that doesn't help me in my little business, but yeah. Smith, you know, cause I'm married and been married for 20 years now. And so you know, we don't have gonorrhea, you know, so it doesn't really help us. But Smith allows me to have more time with my wife. Oh, yeah. So by 2030, we're going to have a trillion dollar value company of the stock market that's run by three people. Okay, what does that mean? You yourself, you are you saying that Smith is going to be that or that Apple is going to be a trillion dollar company run by just the three no. guys, Cook and two others? A uh, little small startup, uh, maybe some people out of college or something will start a company. And uh, the traditional route is they have to they have to sell their soul to investors uh, to get some capital to hire people and scale up and so forth. But uh, what they'll do instead is they'll create they'll create their um, their team with Smith. So Windows and computers run programs. Uh, mobile phones run apps, Smith runs agents. It lets you build and run agents. So those agents, you can think of them as colleagues. You can have agents that take care of your entire content creation workflow and post on your blog for you. Uh, a writer, an editor, a researcher, 
a proofreader, a legal review, a publisher, and they all work harmoniously together to get the job done. Uh, then maybe you want to have an agent that repurposes that content from your website for social media, an agent that creates um, uh, Instagram posts or LinkedIn posts out of that, and schedule, and, and another agent that schedules it to publish it. Um, you, so you can focus on the, the actual work. And so maybe the actual work involves what you mentioned, pulling together um, different systems like QuickBooks or, or databases, and, and you create some value for your customers that way. Um, and once again, you can create agents that way. So humans are going to end up uh, putting their knowledge into process. So they're going to build the agents' capabilities out visually and say this is a proven process, they're going to maintain it and, and update it, right? So uh, we call this multi-agent system engineers or M-A-S-E, MACE. Um, and that is something that's going to be a very hot new job in the future for humans. And what does it cost? Okay. Uh, I'm a right small now, business. We're a million dollars in sales. We sell gizzards. And uh, I don't know if you know what a gizzard is, but you really don't want to know. You've been in Houston for 20 years. You should know what a gizzard <laughs> is. Uh, imagine the worst part of an armadillo fried or something like that. Uh, but they're damn good. They're really good. We can soak them in oil for six months. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, what's a, so that, you know, four employees, what's it going to cost? Yeah. So the, the, there's two parts to this. There is the, um, there's the enterprise part where you see companies are, 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 are lacking enough workforce to automate processes that are worth billions of dollars that they were automated. <laughs> you have government who needs things like command and control, uh, contested logistics, predictive maintenance in industry 4.0. Smith has the capability to, to solve billion-dollar process problems there. Right? So it's early days, and we're starting out focusing on some of the largest problems the world has to offer, um, kind of the kind of things you see in sci-fi movies that are like ultra-cool and have the potential to transform civilization for the better. But then you have then you have everybody else, and what we what we think is going to happen is um, you're going to end up seeing um, very smart people create agents that are reusable at a very affordable cost. And what it will mean for people like you uh, or small businesses is that one day um, you will not go to Upwork and hire somebody for three thousand dollars. You'll be able to go and um, get an agent that was made by someone else uh, to do that at a fraction of the cost and instantly, instantly available um, and up and running. And so that future for everyone else is um, maybe closer than we think, but also not, not quite there yet. Okay. And how much would it cost my small business to implement this? Yeah. So uh, right now we're, uh, you're not we're interested. Running, you don't uh, even want the small business. Is that what you're saying? 
what you have to understand is that this uh, this technology of um, of using tools and tying everything together is bleeding edge. Uh, the the AI foundation models only had this emergent capability in the market since um, since March, April, May that period, um, and we have been uh, spending the last quarter or so building this entire solution closing our first enterprise deal, executing on a pilot project. The road to commercialization is similar to creating a prototype car and needing to take it to mass manufacture still. So uh, I can't comment on what mass manufacture version would look like, but my my hope is that you you could add agents that do work like humans, maybe at you know, between one and 10% of what uh, it costs now to add human colleagues to your team. So uh, imagine having a hundred people, help agents helping you for every one human you hire. And so that's kind of the cost scale we're looking at. We're not looking at a 10x improvement. We're looking at a hundred X improvement on, on labor. All right. Let's switch gears. Tell us the entrepreneurial history. So where exactly did the idea come from? Did it evolve from what you were doing prior? Was there a light bulb moment? What did you do first? How did you get up and running? You know, did you sit down and write code for a month? Tell us the story from an entrepreneurial standpoint. Yeah. So, um, we, we had a very successful, uh, agency that we sold, uh, that was focused on enterprise, uh, enterprise marketing. We, we catered, a large portion of the Fortune 100, um, and in there we we pioneered AI systems for content optimization. We spun that out into a, a company called Think for All, and we we saw an opportunity with generative AI to bundle the optimization qualities with the generative AI that was emerging. And um, then ChatGPT came out last year, and um, and instantly changed the global conversation and everybody is adding generative AI to their products now. And so what it, what it means is that the internet landscape is changing. Content supply is exploding exponentially, whereas demand is, is only growing linearly. So the gap between it is the performance gap and it is, it is currently being flooded. So the internet is being flooded with content. So that means that the very dynamic of search engines and content marketing is going to change dramatically. And, um, and most notably, the way that it's going to change and is changing is next year is going to be all about the AI assistant. Uh, Google, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, they're all going to be fighting over you, the consumer and business owner, um, to be the assistant of, of choice. This assistant is going to learn the preferences, your history, know what you like, and it's going to start browsing the internet for you. It's going to start helping you to shop around and find reviews and find answers and everything. So he who controls that gateway will basically control a large portion of the market. It's, it, it is easily the single biggest um, business opportunity ever conceived by, by humans. And so you can expect that competition to be fierce. You can expect features to be phenomenal, breakthrough, breakneck pace updates, and next year is going to be a really fun year. But the way that's going to change the web 
we realized that early this year it was going to be profound. We're entering a new phase of the web. The last one was in 2004 when we got Web 2. We're entering Web 3 now, uh, the executable or interactive web. And that means that websites are going to uh, be like getting less traffic from search engines like Google. Instead, Google is going to already have read your website and it's already going to know how to answer it uh, without sending you to, to people to your site. That's called zero-click search. Um, and, and the way that it's going to be countered is by adding new functionality uh, called brand agents. And so what that looks like is an API that runs on your site. Uh, nothing to worry about for business owners right now. In, to, in the year 2000, having a website and a blog was not easy, but a few years later, we had WordPress and everybody could have one. So this too will become available to everyone in due time when, the, when, when, when this starts materializing, uh, not to worry about that. But what it basically means also is that SaaS companies are going to transform a lot. And, and so if you're, if, I mean, I'll just give an example. Uh, ChatGPT launched a marketplace. The number one plugins were, um, that were most used were like Chat with PDF. They have 75,000 new signups per day, okay? In the, in the, in the early days, uh, they stopped for announcing their numbers later, but they just rolled up that functionality in the latest update that happened this week. So basically puts all those SaaS startups out of business because their value prop is gone. And so you need to imagine that GPT-5, 6, 7, and so forth, right? They're, they're going to be SaaS killers. They're going to take more and more functionality away. And the way that we need to see the web is like a universe of intelligence where you have an orchestrating agent that can tap into different websites to get the job done. That is becoming a reality. The, the business, that, was, that is true for the company that I was um, running too, Inc. for All. That's, just, that's true as well. So the first thing we did is we were among the first 40 uh, plugins or agents uh, that we turned it into an, an app called SEO.app. And it's extremely popular on ChatGPT, uh, the plugin store, to optimize your content within GPT. That's the first thing we did. And as we were building that, we noticed that this transformation is going to be much larger than anyone can anticipate. So we said other people are going to need to be able to build agents too. And so we, we took all of the code we had and all the experience we had in building agents. Uh, they're be, really being leaders and innovators in the space, the first in the world for many, many, many firsts. And we took all of that experience, all the problems we encountered and said, you know what? Um, um, people who are making gizzards and stuff, uh, shouldn't have to deal with this. Let us build all of that infrastructure so that other people can build on top of it and make their agents come true because this is where the future is heading. And that is how we arrived at Smith OS. It's a future where AI agents are like your colleagues. They work together, um, beautifully orchestrated. They work with humans. They know how to ask for help. They're always there. They don't, they don't get sick. They're always available. They can be spun up or down. And they can represent your brand, even if you like it to, across 20 different organic channels. Because that's where marketing is heading. You'll have to be everywhere, and it's going to be a pain 
for us to keep up with all of it. But agents will be there to do it for us. And what about the financial side? Uh, are you making any money yet? Did you spend a lot of money to get to this point? Have you raised money? Are you going to raise money? Give us a financial history lesson. And don't tell us what you're not yeah. comfortable sharing, of course. I don't want anything. I'm not pressuring you. But what can you share? Yeah. So what we did in our uh, our, our previous product, and for all, was quite successful. We have, we have, um, we have tens of thousands of months active users, um, and we have basically bootstrapped uh, that company uh, largely with also the exit we had uh, on our agency. Uh, we also had um, a few amazing family offices as angels in there. Um, and, but and then into the pivot of Smith OS, we, um, we have really optimized our team uh, super focused and kept the best people focused on this. We've already closed six figure um, pilot projects with enterprise and already executed and delivered on it. So um, we are, we are on a very good trajectory for pipeline sales pipeline for next year. It looks phenomenal. And um, we will be, we will be raising a seed round uh, sometime in the next year. And uh, to accelerate this, because the, the, the AI agent and multi-agent system market is going to absolutely transform the future of work in, in this country and around the world. And we've, we firmly believe that, that Smith can be the company that provides that kind of foundational orchestration uh, that will power the future of work. Shouldn't the company only have one employee? because? All of them get Smith OS out. <laughs> no, I think it's more like uh, uh, I'd rather not have seventy percent of the population use their beautiful human brain in, in farming with their hands. I'd rather have them do podcasts like this and have a lot of fun creating new things and new technologies. <laughs> uh, so, what we're going to be doing is we're going to uh, level the playing field. For, uh, for for innovators to get their ideas out there when currently you have an idea you, you don't can't execute on it because you don't have the funding the guys have you can't compete we're going to level that playing field we're going to create an inclusive and and, and 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 amazing innovative ecosystem around this that's going to create so much innovation and so much competition that uh, many things are going to become affordable to average people that previously were only available to wealthy people and companies, uh, that is going to improve the standard of life and lift people out of poverty. It is going to give us uh, more control over our work-life balance and, and let us live the kind of life we want to live. And it is going to, you know, unlock a a, a real a real summer for innovation and technology in the world. Um, where, where we have the potential to shape the future in, in very exciting ways. How do we find out more, follow you online, and continue to watch the story, Alexander? Yeah, uh, Alexander the Ritter is my name. You can uh, follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter. My handle is A-D-R-I-D-D-E-R, A-D Ritter. Um, I post there frequently. Um, follow SmithOS, S-M-Y-T-H-O-S. Um, and um, let's let's uh, forge the future together.
Fantastic. Alexander, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, amazing story, and I can't wait to see how it plays out. So thanks for being with us. Great stuff. Thank you so much for having me. And we will be right back. Well, that's a, that's, a, that's a wonderful question, actually, Jim. Oh, my gosh, I love the opportunity to do this. Thank you, Jim. Wow, that's, that's, a, that's a great one. You know, that is a phenomenal question. That's a great question, and, and I don't have a great answer. It, that's a great question. Oh, that is such a loaded question, and that's actually a really good question. School for Startups Radio. We are back, and again, thank you so very much for being with us. I have another great entrepreneurial story to introduce you to. Please welcome Josh Simons. He is the co-founder and CEO of Vamper. It is sort of like LinkedIn for creatives. It is the world's largest professional network of musicians and other creatives as well. Fast Company recognized it as one of the most innovative companies of the year last year. They've had five fundraising rounds and have raised almost $4 million in VC from angels and uh, also more sophisticated venture capitalists as well. Very cool. Josh also had a very impressive career in music himself and used to open for Earth, uh, Keith Urban and Carrie Underwood. Are they married? Is that a couple or are those two separate? Wait, Keith Urban is married to who? He's married to Nicole Kidman. That's right. That's uh, what I was thinking. Another Aussie, yeah. <laughs> yes. Welcome to the show. How are you doing, Josh? I'm good. I have a slight cold, so if my voice is a bit crackly, I apologize in advance. Well, we understand that. It's the musician's lifestyle, all the throwing TVs out of the windows and you know destroying hotel rooms. That'll give you a cold, Josh. Only once does any of that ever happen in my story, at least. <laughs> well, I don't think it happened as much as we've heard, but it's a good movie story anyway. Tell us about Vamper. Yeah, I mean, the Vamper has been around for eight years now, and it started in America. It actually started in Los Angeles, um, and it grew internationally very quickly, both in terms of the, the people that we were attracting as users, but also our staff became very global quite quickly. Um, and then more recently, we sold it to an Australian public company that does something very similar, and we've we merged the two, and I'm now the CEO of that entity. So it's 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 gone through a lot in the last year. It's like a kid going through uh, puberty. <laughs> it's growing up. Well, I have one of those in the house right now. It's not pretty. So. <laughs> well, change is always uh, uncomfortable, but uh, no, we're in good we're in good hands now, and um, part of so, something much bigger. Um, so, uh, for folks who know what Vampir is or know the space that we're in, we've joined forces with a company called Jaxter. Uh, they're the world's largest music credits database, and um, it's kind of like both companies are tackling the same thing, which is like social professional networking for creative people, but Jaxter was kind of coming at it from a database point of view and we were coming at it from a social network standpoint and marrying the two together felt like the right thing to do. So we did that about six months ago and, and um, yeah, it's been really fun. 
Well, very cool. Tell us the story of how it got started and go back in history. Give us like a history lesson. Where'd the original idea come from? What'd you do first? How'd you get the programming done? All that kind of stuff. Yeah, I was in England um, trying to get things going for my band, which had done, as you mentioned, we'd done quite well, but um, in Australia and, and getting it started in a different market was a task that took a lot more effort than I expected it to. And um, at that point, I realized there really isn't any good technological solutions helping people fast track their career. And, and often careers, it's not just what you know, but it's very much who you know, and it's about relationships and working working on projects with folks who have common interests. So why wasn't techno- Why were there no technological solutions that helped with this? I mean, MySpace was good once upon a time for that, but it was long gone. So anyway, that was about 2014. And I came back to Australia and thought, I've never built a tech platform before, but I've run companies and I kind of know, broadly speaking, what we needed to do. Um, I knew that we'd need some kind of graph database and I knew that we'd need someone who can make that work across continents and uh, scale in different cities and blah, blah, blah. So I kind of knew what questions to ask, which is always a good place to start. And... um, I approached some college professors and said, who, who are your breast, best and brightest? <laughs> Not breast, who are your best and brightest? Um, and, uh, you know, interviewed some folks, found someone I liked, and, and that's kind of how it all got started. And then very shortly after that, we decided to put me in Los Angeles because that seemed like the city where most of our target audience would be. As it turns out, we've now got users in every city and country in the world, so I could have probably done it from... Mexico Beach, to be honest, but uh, it was fun. It was, um, yeah, it was was like a lifetime ago. And what about the original programming and the money for that? Or how'd that get happen? (laughs) Yeah, like most most tech plays, your first initial funding is usually what they call FFF, so Friends, Family, and Fools, um, endearingly. And that was no exception to us. I think um, a, a couple of friends and a couple of family members put in $50,000 each. We, the first round we did was only 150000 so shortly after with the 270000 round. We kind of just these days refer to that one as just a single round. But basically for under, uh, well, for about half a million, we, we were able to keep things going for about 18 months, and that built the first MVP. Um, but it didn't take very long after that found some traction and some customers and support in the media that we had to raise bigger money and, and pretty quickly because um, well, as soon as you get team members involved and marketing people and salespeople and all that, uh, your costs do tend to balloon pretty quickly. So, um, but yeah, like I said, the, the initial funding really wasn't a lot in the grand scheme of things um, for a group of you know four people to code around the clock for 12 months so it was pretty cool and where is it now in terms of size of business or revenue or number of employees however you want to share with us yeah I mean we don't because we're a public company now we, we don't really comment on um financial performance except when um, you know we're providing updates to the market so that, that's all very easily findable for anyone who knows how to use Google um, 
In terms of size of the team, there's about 25 of us. Um, we're spread all over the world. We've got um, little teams of people in Spain, uh, Vietnam, LA, Melbourne, Sydney. So, yeah, it's quite quite all over the shop. And how do you manage internationally like that with people that maybe you've never met? How does the management work? Um, I've met everyone because um, I hired everyone. <laughs> um, but, you know, one of the things that well, we, we were always remote even before the COVID thing. What, what, what happened with the COVID well, during that time was a lot of um, staff members decided they wanted to live in more remote parts of the world and the real estate was maybe cheaper and things were a little quieter and safer. Um, so the team kind of went wide during that time. And because we were already a remote organization where we didn't have like a central office, it didn't really make it that different. I mean, we had to reschedule some meetings and, you know, find those awkward times where all time zones cross over. So typically speaking, my mornings are very busy and my evenings are very busy. And then the middle of the day is quite quiet, but I use that to get shit, like real stuff done. <laughs> um, actual work, believe it or not. Um, so, yeah, I don't, we're just very used to it at this point. Uh, I'm just very grateful that technology exists that makes that possible. So, if I were to join the site and post some of my music, would I actually hope to meet somebody, a producer? Would I have to go on and beg them and say, here's my post, listen to it? Uh, how does it that actually a, work for an interaction? Yeah, so that would be um, not, not such a good idea uh, in terms of the strategy. We always say this to, to people who do struggle to network on, on the app or otherwise who reach out to us. Just because the tool is there to make networking quicker, which is what we've built, um, doesn't mean that you still don't have to try. So your people skills are going to still be essential. And so if you go in and say, this is my thing, this is my thing, chances are they'll ignore you and never reply. But if you go in there and, and look to build a relationship, you've got a very decent chance of, of starting something. But if, if anyone goes to our website, which is vampa.me, so V-A-M-P-R.me, and scrolls right to the bottom, you can see in real time the number of people who are making connections in real time. This is talking to our database. So um, right now it says 8,729,976 connections have been made. Um, and that's, you watch the number tick up in real time. So there you go. It's happening all the time. That's cool. That is exciting. And so what's the best way to, to meet a music type person? Uh, I, I'm not a music person. And I don't know how to talk their language. How do I, uh, what's the, the thing? Do I start off by saying, Hey, I saw some of your stuff and I really liked it and thought you might like mine or what's the music yeah. way to do it? Well, so that's a great question. So obviously, um, you know, paying it forward with a compliment is never a bad way to start any conversation, especially if it's sincere. Um, and one of the things we do on the platform and some of the ways that the algorithm sort of works is we, we look at your favorite artist and we, we weight the matching strength on that. Okay. That makes sense. I'm one of the people, Josh, that music stopped a long oh. time ago. Uh, when Jerry Garcia died, music kind of stopped for me. And people talk about all the new bands and I just don't know them because 
because I still just want to hear Jerry. So tell me about AI in the industry now. What impact is that having? There's a lot of people were connected, um, but then they weren't staying, you know, they weren't talking. And so, but then when we did that, no one really wanted to use them and they still came up with their own things. So it's, we just encourage people to, you know, treat everyone like a human, have respect, be, be polite, and, and do it like you would in the real, real world, you know? Yes. What about uh, AI? Is that having any impact in the industry yet? Has there <clears> been an AI album? Uh, are we going to have a Millie Vanilli with an AI substitute or an AI uh, voice? Absolutely. I mean, AI is already changed a lot about how we come to make music, how we mix music, how we master music, how we write the social copy for our marketing plan around our music. I mean, it's, it's already infiltrated every single part of the process. <laughs> um, then the question becomes, you know, if an AI model was trained on some other piece of music or, or pieces of music, um, should royalties flow back through to the original creators that it was trained on? And all of that's being worked out right now. I don't have the answers. I, I, I know what the threats are. Um, the other potential issue is just it contributes to the oversaturation of music releases, which we're currently living through. So every year the number just gets higher, but currently 120,000 songs are released a day. Um, so that's just too much music because it's impossible for anyone to discover all of that, right? Um, so there's a problem there with a bit of crowding on the, on the streaming platforms and AI will contribute to that and make that problem worse. Um, but, you know, smarter minds than mine are really working on how we might tackle that. Wow, that number is unbelievable. Yeah, it's pretty staggering. Wow. Wow, wow. And what about what genre of music are we in now? You know, I, uh, as I've let you know, I'm old time music. I believe in rock and roll and rock and roll seems dead. Now, where are we now? What is music called today? Well, genre kind of in some ways disappeared some years ago and that a lot of things have just bled into one, you know, Taylor Swift's a good example. She was country once upon a time, and now she's kind of a bit of everything. Um, I think other bands that you look at, like Coldplay, blend genres, I think a lot of dance artists that, you know, traditionally might have made house now crossing over into sort of hip-hop sounds and trap sounds in, in the dance music. So genres just kind of blending, which is only a good thing. Um I think you kind of saw the same thing with cinema, right? There used to be sort of strict genres back in the day as like rom-com, action, comedy. And now you can kind of go and see a movie that has a little bit of all of that. So I always see the convergence of genres as only a positive thing because um, art is meant to connect everyone, not put us in separate camps and all of that. So yeah, I, I don't know. That's a bit of a hippy dippy take, but that's kind of how I do genre. <laughs> and what about your music? Why are you not, uh, or why you seem to be pulling back from the music of actually live performing? Well, 
I don't like doing anything if I'm only doing it half-assed. And, um, you know, it does take quite a lot of work and effort to put together a record and a, and a live show and, uh, and an ear, I feel. So when you start raising lots and lots of money and you're the CEO of a public company with thousands of shareholders, you have to, uh, at the very least, give them 110% of your attention. And, and that doesn't leave a lot of room then for the, <laughs> the, the creative process that is required to make something of value artistically. So it was a bit of a choice. It was, do I continue with music or do I run a company? And uh, usually the, you follow the money. <laughs> so that's what happened here. And how does the site make money? Is it from advertising? What's the revenue streams? <clears throat> yeah, there's there's two ways. There's um, there's a subscription tier, like a premium. We call it down to pro, and that's kind of if anyone's ever used LinkedIn, it's like in mail. LinkedIn in mail meets Tinder Plus kind of thing. <laughs> and um, and then for the users that don't subscribe to that premium service, there's an advertising model. All right. Uh, what about performing? Is live music going to become even more precious to us, or do some of these changes make live music less popular? Where twenty years from now, where are we with live music? Like going to a show? Yeah, I, I don't think that's ever going to really go away. That you know, the coronavirus tried its best to kill live music, but it didn't. Um, didn't really win in the, in the long run um, because people like coming together and uh, there is something special about sitting in a room and you know listening to your favorite music with other people who also enjoy it again it comes to the, it comes back to this common artist thing that i was talking about earlier which is why music brings people together is a, a mutual love to things so live music i don't think is going anywhere but i think what we do see more of in the next 10 years is um virtual concerts uh, especially as you know, mixed reality, augmented reality become more uh, perfect. I think um, there's just so many interesting activations that can be done with that with that medium. But that's not that's still very early stages of adoption. You know, it's certainly not at mass adoption. So there's always artists that are pushing, you know, the boundaries and working at the bleeding edge of tech uh, in that respect. But it's certainly not mainstream yet. Um, and even when those virtual events take place, they usually take place at a concert with real people once again attending them. So I just don't think concerts are going anywhere. The, problem, the biggest problem is the cost of touring, both financial cost and also the cost of the environment, um, is a real problem that artists are struggling, especially smaller artists, is really struggling to uh, grapple with. So there's certainly some challenges to the live music sector but I don't see it dying. What is it like when you're traveling or touring with superstars, you know, the people that I've actually heard of, uh, do you get to hang out with them or are they snobby and push you off to the side or what's it like being uh, on tour with a world famous rock star? It depends on the person, right? I got very lucky with, um, with Keith and Carrie because they were both nice and, you know, they left their dressing room doors open and we did hang out and, you know, our crews ate lunch together and 
we exchanged presents and and they they weren't really they were available if we needed them but we didn't feel the need to have them either so and they had a really good balance and a nice chemistry i've also heard i won't name names but i've heard of horror stories um where you know the famous band paid terribly and didn't really give the support band a proper green room and um so i think it really depends on yeah on the values of the of the group that you're working with and i was just very fortunate to do a, a arena stadium run with um, a bunch of really nice people that sounds like a dream come true for a musician yeah and um yeah no i, I mean it was it was it was exactly that i was trying to think of something funny but the truth is it was it was just uh from the moment I got the phone call asking me to do it right through to the final show, it was a, a magical experience and it, and it didn't hurt that it, it paid very well too. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun. And so is yeah. it a different hotel room every night with room service every night or do you go out on the town? Uh, do you hide in the room all day? Uh, What's it like when you're getting ready for the shows? Getting ready for the shows, I'd go through a jog around whatever city we were in. Um, and I tried to get rid of some of that nervous energy by running it out. Um, and, and then we'd do sort of vocal warm-ups as a group in the, in the, the green room. But um, the night after, like, so after we played, that's very different. We were a bit younger, so I think we had the ability to go out every night and still be okay the next day. I couldn't do that now. <laughs> um, I think we went out and, and ate in local restaurants most nights and enjoyed, you know, local craft beers and things like that, and, and had a lot of had quite a bit of fun. There was a lot of late nights. Thankfully, you know, you can. I think we played in front of one hundred and fifty thousand people over eight nights or something like that. Uh, so it's not like a long period of time. I think your body can put up with that for. You know the, the three three weeks or so that the tour takes place. Right. Well, absolutely fascinating for someone who's never been involved. Well, I was involved. I was on tour with the Grateful Dead for years, and wherever I went, they seemed to follow me. Josh, you know, so all of those standard oh. jokes. <laughs> Very good. Yes, I think I saw two hundred shows or so. Uh, Damn. That's yes. commitment. It is a commitment. It is a commitment. When you're 18 and 19, that's what else you care about, right? Yeah, exactly. So. That's cool. That's really cool. Well, this is an amazing site. I will check it out and appreciate you sharing it with us and the story. Uh, you've had a great run. Is this now the career now or? I mean, what, what do you hope to do? Do you want to get into producing now? What pick some of the artists from the site? You should, you know, that should be your route now is like the, the vampire, you know, executive program where you get to work with me and I turn you into a star and, you know, well, one thing we are talking about doing is, um, like a compilation album, but maybe pressing it on vinyl of some of the, um, some of the rising stars that we've, you know, identified through our own A&R program. And uh, we're, not, we're not sure on the, the details yet. I probably shouldn't even be talking about it, but we think that that will be 
received very well because it'll be a limited run. Everyone obviously will be selling it to their own fan base and um, most of the money that it raises will just go straight back to the artist to fund their next project. So we are working on some ways to do that. Um, but it's a techn- technological platform at the end of the day. So anything you do needs to have some possibility of scale to it. Otherwise, you're singling out unfairly a few people from the platform in the end. Right. So you've got to be get very careful. But um, hey, that's my problem, not yours. <laughs> Josh, thank you so much for sharing the story with us. It's a great one. And... Uh, oh. I hope when you win your Grammy award, you'll say, and Jim beach, thank you for having me on the show 22 years ago or two weeks ago or whatever it is, you know? So that's the the plan. (laughs) (laughs) Great stuff. How do we find out more, follow you online, listen to your music and all of the above. Um, well, my music, my band's called Buchanan. Um, you can find that on Spotify, Apple, et cetera. Um, but uh, don't don't listen to my music. <laughs> Go check out the products; they're better. Um, you can yeah, hit up vampr.me or jaxsta.com. Uh, those are our two big sites. And for music fans, you can hit up vinyl.com, where we are one of the largest online uh, e-commerce stores to buy all of your favorite vinyl records. So check that out too. Fantastic. Josh, great stuff. Uh, really impressive story. I love the the multidimensional people like you. You're doing so many different things. You're a renaissance man, and appreciate you sharing your story. Thank you, my friend. And we are out of time, but you know what we do. That's right. We come back. We'll be back tomorrow with another great show. Thanks for being with us today. Take care. Go make a million dollars and be safe. Bye now. Bye now.